0: What is up my friends and fellow Busy Bees? Today I wanted to talk about something that more than likely if you're someone who has sold a piece of furniture or literally anything else on a online marketplace of some sort, you've probably encountered this at least on one occasion, even if you didn't know it and it didn't end up coming to fruition. And that would be the lovely, ever-expanding and ever-present world of scammers. I know as someone who sells on Facebook Marketplace primarily, these are people that I encounter, unfortunately, like pretty often. They are there. They are getting smarter and better at concealing themselves, and the scams are changing all the time. So I wanted to do an episode today, which is in January 2024. We'll set it in time, and then maybe down the road I'll do another one once these things have evolved a bit and there's new information available. But I wanted to speak about my experience with them, some things that I do to try and ensure that I'm not getting scammed, and some red flags that I have identified and commonalities in these scams. And then just some recommendations and reminders for you if you are someone that sells any item online and may encounter these people. If I think back to the first encounter, the first communication I ever received from a scammer of some type, it used to look something like you open up your email inbox and you go to your junk mail and there's some crazy email subject line and you click into it and it is a prince who is wanting to send you a million billion dollars and make you his princess and live happily ever after or maybe he is in trouble and he wants you to send some money to bail them out. I feel like those were pretty easy to figure out, that they were inaccurate. No shade if you are somebody who has been <laughs> tricked by one of those people, but for somebody with a very critical eye, they usually have a lot of spelling errors, there's not proper punctuation, and it just doesn't look like the flow of your typical email, in my opinion at least. So those were always pretty easy to identify and to very quickly block and or delete. But these scams, these people that are running these schemes are evolving every day. And we now live in a world that is very technologically reliant and savvy. So I think it's important to point these things out and also if you are someone who has dealt with this and didn't know that it was a very common occurrence, hopefully this can give you some reassurance that you are definitely not alone or the only person who is paranoid about this kind of stuff because it's definitely an angle that I look at every interaction that I have now with, which maybe makes me like a little bit jaded in a way, but you know, I'm not trying to get scammed or get my identity stolen or my money stolen. Some things that I like to do to figure out whether or not somebody that messages me is a real person who is interested or if they may potentially be a scammer is to vet the person who is messaging me. And I like to do this early on just because... I really don't want to waste my time going back and forth with someone who's going to end up being a scammer because they will engage back and forth in conversation and get things set up and sometimes negotiate a price and things like that, that an average person would do. And then there'll be some sort of tell down the line for you to realize, oh, this isn't real. But you just spent however long messaging back and forth and maybe getting the thought in your head that you were about to sell this piece of furniture that maybe has been sitting for a long time. So you got very excited about it. So I'd like to go in and look at the person and because I primarily use Facebook Marketplace, the person's Facebook profile is linked automatically, which is really handy. And some profiles may be blocked or be super limited because they have a lot of privacy settings set up so that strangers can't see their stuff, which is fair and valid. However, I have found that people who are making these fake profiles often keep them pretty public because they've gone through the effort of creating the profile to make it look like it's actually a real person. So they want that to be publicly available so people can see it and kind of be like, oh, it is a real person. Okay, I'll go along with it but there are some key things that you can look at to figure out whether or not they're actually a real person. And sometimes it's very blatantly obvious, but for the ones that are a little bit better at hiding it, these are some of the things that I like to look at. First being, when did they join Facebook? And now on Marketplace, when somebody initially messages you, it will send their message and then as a follow-up message, send a notification saying the person's name and how long they've been on Facebook. And this may not necessarily indicate whether or not they're a scammer, but like most people aren't just getting Facebook now in 2024. If anything, more and more people are getting off of there. So if somebody just signed up in like 2023 or 2024 when they're messaging you, it's definitely something that should kind of click a little red flag in your head and make you look into it a little bit more, in my opinion. Because I, th- I think I've been on Facebook since like 2006, you know? Most people got their profiles, even if they didn't utilize them very frequently, and maybe they just use it now to go in Peru's marketplace. Like, they're going to have a profile for the most part. So check when they have first created their account, number one, and a way without doing a deep dive that I'll kind of figure out if somebody's real or not when I'm talking to them. Sometimes I'll just get like a weird vibe in the way that they're speaking. Maybe, I don't know, some way that they're talking is too proper or you could just kind of get like a feeling. I don't even know how to describe it, but it's just like this kind of sounds robotic or like somebody's playing pretend, I guess. And sometimes it's just like a language barrier. I live somewhere that is very bilingual. So a lot of people are French first language. A lot of people are English first language. And so when they're speaking in the alternate language, it might seem a little bit like learned because it is. So it could be something like that. But I'll often ask what area of the city they're coming from if they're arranging a time to pick up and I'll kind of word it in a way that makes it seem like I may be able to like deliver it to them or something to just kind of find out what area they're in and I'm not trying to like get their specific location and I don't want to word it in a way that seems like where do you live like what's your address but if somebody is a scammer they likely are not located where I'm located they also likely aren't actually looking at the listing of the thing that I have posted, they're just probably using some sort of software to just mass send these messages, right? So if I say, oh, what part of the city are you coming from? They're not necessarily going to know the names of all the suburbs or the areas that locals refer to them as. So that's always a good indicator. If somebody replies back and they say this little neighborhood that I know to be in or around Ottawa, I'm going to know they're probably real. So if I don't want to do a deep dive, that's a good way to go about it. But if I want to look at their profile and figure things out, I'll also go to their friends list and number one, look at how many friends they have. Again, none of these are like for sure indicators because some people are just really picky about who they keep on their friends list. But if somebody has like 14 friends, that would be another thing that would indicate in my head, oh, maybe something's going on here or... If they have 62,000 friends, that's also a bit of a red flag, unless they're like a public person or persona or a company or something. And I'll often take a look at their friends themselves. So especially if there's only a few people on there, I'll click into those profiles and see like, where are they located? How many friends do they have? Do they look like they have legit pictures? Because for the most part, those are also bots. If there's only a few people or select amount of people on there, so that can be a bit of a giveaway. I'll also go into the person who messaged me's profile pictures and or tagged photos and just look to see like what's going on in there. Can I see them? Are they like stock photos or just like landscape photos or is there actually photos of a person? I'll also look at the activity on those photos, so how many likes or comments do they have? What kind of comments are they? Who are the people that are commenting? I'll find often that with these bots and scammers, there'll be like the same four people interacting with all of their things. And if I click on that person's profile, then the person who messaged me will be one of the ones that's commenting along with the other three people on all of their photos. So that's kind of an indicator that probably those are not real accounts as well. Also looking at where they're located, like a lot of the time I've seen people located in Croatia or... Poland and things like that so maybe they just moved to Ottawa but maybe also they didn't And I've also seen something recently where I think people are taking access of real people's Facebook accounts. So, probably at some point in time, they clicked a link for something and somebody was able to take over their account, change the password, lock them out. And then they use those accounts to pose as real people. So, I've seen it before where it was someone who was located like roughly in my area, a little bit outside of being super close to me, but like within driving range. And When I looked back on her profile, she had a bunch of profile pictures. It was always the same girl with like different people around. And for the last few profile pictures, they were old ones that had been previously used in that profile picture album. I know this sounds like I'm like getting a little bit too into the weeds with these, but it's a really good indicator. And I mean, I'm a girl, like we're FBI agents in training by nature. If you've ever had to find a guy that you just met on social media and see what's going on with them, you know. If you know, you know. So anyways, I looked in. These profile pictures were like years old in this album, but had been more recently uploaded. All of the older profile photos had a ton of comments from a ton of different people. If I clicked on their account, they were located in my area. It all made sense and looked real up until a certain point a couple months prior when it started being people from different locations commenting. And again, when I click into those people, they only have a couple friends and it starts to look a little bit questionable. So to me, that's a good indicator. Yeah, this is fake. Paired with the fact that I got weird vibes based on what they were saying or how they were saying it, or they were asking me to do something that wasn't the way that I would normally do things and stuff like that. And so a lot of this does come down to your intuition in a way and the longer that you do sell items online the more you'll notice what the normal kind of ebbs and flows of people are and how the interactions happen especially if you're very structured in the way that you go about your sales then you'll notice when there's things that are out of the norm that people are asking for or trying to get you to do so just listen to those would be my overarching recommendation for this episode is Listen to your intuition and when that alarm starts to sound, just listen to it and start to do a little bit of investigating before you get yourself into any trouble. So that's how I like to vet the people that are purchasing from me, but I've also come to realize that there are some tells that indicate to me pretty quickly if somebody is a scammer or not and again these things will probably evolve very quickly so that may not necessarily remain the same as we go forward in time but at this point in time these are some things I'm commonly seeing that indicate to me that they are scams or scammers. So the first being that often the message isn't actually coming in through my marketplace folder in my Facebook messenger. Because there's now this consolidated folder where if I open up Facebook Messenger, I'll see all my recent messages to my friends, but at the top there is a Messenger folder. I click into that and then it's all the conversations for the different pieces that I've sold and the people that I've discussed those pieces with who've sent inquiries in. And those used to be dispersed amongst all my other friends' conversations, but now it's all in one spot. So that's a really good indicator because often I find that when people are messaging, it doesn't come through in that folder. It actually goes into my message requests, which isn't even in my inbox. You have to like click to the, I think there's like three lines on the top left and you'll get a notification. You click there, go to message requests, and then the people will send a message kind of in response to a listing that you created. But anytime that that has happened, it has always been a scam. I don't know how or why it goes about it in that way. Maybe whatever software that they're using to send these messages out just does it that way. But that's always a big red flag for me. Often now I just won't even reply to those because I can tell that it's not going to be real. Because also, they'll always be super vague in their verbiage, like... I would like to purchase this item, or is this item still available? So it's not like the average "Hi, is this still available? It's this item, which they can then just copy and paste that to anybody and any item that is for sale, right? So about 50% of the time, I'll see the messages coming in through that separate avenue, but sometimes they will come in as a direct message via that listing, but there's a couple things that they'll say that will indicate to me that it's not real as well sometimes people will say, hi, I'm interested in, and then they'll just copy and paste the title of that ad that I created. So hi there, I'm interested in Navy four drawer Dresser or something. And it's like they capitalize the Navy in the way that I did in the title. So it's definitely like a copy paste situation. Or they'll say, hi, do you still have, and then they'll insert the title that I created. Some people may just say that just to be like painfully clear of what they're asking information about. But I've come to see that once I talk to those people a little bit further, none of those have ended up coming to fruition. Those are always some sort of scam of some sort. So that's a good thing that can immediately set that red flag off in your mind. And I find that those people often Once we go back and forth a bit, I'll say, yeah, it's still available. And then they'll say, okay. And they ask a question that is very clearly outlined in the description of the item. Like a lot of the time they'll say, okay, and how much do you want for it? Or how much is it? Like not in a way that they're trying to negotiate, but literally just asking how much the item is where if you were someone sending a message in Facebook, you would, as you're messaging me, you would see the price literally at the top of our conversation without having to scroll or anything. So that indicates to me probably a scam. Again, some people are just like in a rush or like a little bit dumb, so they don't see it. I don't know. But (laughs) for the most part, those have ended up being scammers as well. If you don't know, you could just copy and paste whatever the answer is to that question from your description if you want to be a little bit sassy and see where it heads. But again, just let that be a little bit of a red flag that puts your guard up a bit and you're being a little bit more critical as they move forward in that conversation. there's always going to be some sort of ask that seems wrong or different or out of character for your typical sale. So that's where it'll be painfully obvious to you. However, if you didn't notice those red flags leading up to that and you're in a rush and you're getting excited about getting the sale, you may go along with those asks without second guessing it and that's what I want to avoid you doing because that's going to obviously end up in you getting screwed over in some way. So that's why I'm going through these things in such detail because I want them to spark a little bit of something in your brain that says, oh wait, maybe I should look at this with a more critical eye, okay? There's three different things that I've seen that they will ask you to do that are out of the norm. Because most people are going to maybe try and negotiate a price potentially. And then once a price is set, they're going to discuss when and what day they can come to pick up the piece. And then once that's established, they're going to want to know what's your address and how can they pay you. That's kind of the normal flow of things. And some of these scammers will go through all of that, which is the most annoying part because you, like, are setting things up and you're organizing your week and trying to get things good to go, only to find out that it was for nothing. But I've seen it where they'll ask for your phone number in order to send an e-transfer to send a deposit or even just to, like, pay for the piece in general, but Typically, obviously, they're going to not show up to pick up that piece, so they want you to, to do this prior. So it's, they're probably going to offer to send a deposit, which may seem like a green flag to you, and it really should, because a lot of people will offer to send a deposit to hold the piece, and that's great. I love that when that happens, but I think the scammers now know that, that that is seen as a good thing, and so they're taking advantage of that and are finding ways to screw people in that process. So asking for the phone number specifically is going to result in it's sending you a text that says you have this money to deposit. Click this link to deposit it and then when you click that link it's not actually a link to go to your online banking. It's going somewhere that they're able to see you input your information or some sort of malware of some sort. I don't know I'm not an IT person but they're getting your information somehow. And also to add a cherry on top there have been times when somebody has sent me a deposit via my phone number because they have it set up that way with their bank. I think it's only ever been people that live in Quebec because I'm on I'm very close to the Quebec border. So I do think it's only been Quebec residents that have asked this of me so this may not be applicable to you however I have seen that happen and it wasn't a scam and that's just for whatever reason how their banks do it by default so be weary I guess of that text that comes in if you have one that comes in that you know to be accurate and real hang on to that so you can kind of analyze that text of what it looks like Make sure that everything is the same when that new one comes in. And then you can kind of verify that it's accurate. That might be a good way to go about it. I don't know. And then alternatively, something else I have seen and had almost done to one of my friends, but she caught it, thankfully, and then was telling me about it. And I was like, on guard, moving forward. And then it happened to me once, but I obviously knew not to click on it. Was that somebody tried to send an e-transfer Oh, and I guess I should clarify, because I know in the States, e-transfer is not a thing. It may be elsewhere in the world, or you might refer to it as something else, but that's basically just an electronic transfer of funds. So we can send money from our bank to someone else's bank account via like our online banking app. We don't need to have a third-party app like a Venmo or something like that, where we deposit our funds, like PayPal, for example. That's pretty universal. We can just send it from our bank account to someone else's bank account. You can put a security question so you know that it's going to the right person. And then it just eliminates that third person or that third party that needs to be involved and all the fees that are associated with it. So I've had it where they have sent me an email with an e-transfer to send their deposit over and the page looks the same as normal. Like it looks, the header looks like their normal bank email would have. Everything looks normal. But then when you read it closely, the like fine print or whatever, which most of us aren't actually reading because we know what it looks like and we're just kind of clicking through to our own bank so that it opens up our app and we can deposit the funds, right? But this email actually said that the person was requesting the $50 or whatever the deposit was, not actually sending the money to you. So if I'd went through and I'd clicked that, it may have been an actual normal e-transfer setup, except for that I was confirming that the money could be taken from my account and not deposited to my account. Schnicker, schnicker. So be wary of that always read the fine print. I know I am definitely someone who does not do that all the time because I'm on the go. I'm doing things during the day. When these things come in, I'm just like click, click, click. Yep. Okay, done. Perfect. Thank you. But now I know to slow down and take a beat and make sure that everything is good and normal. Because again, these things will just get sneakier and sneakier as time goes on. And then another thing that I have seen attempted, this is kind of one that happened a lot. And I noticed it more in like 2020 to 2022. I haven't really recently but I'm sure it's still out there is people messaging you saying they want the piece and then going into some sort of story that's going to try and tug at your heartstrings or make you empathetic towards them for why they can't pick the piece up themselves or not even empathetic always but like Something that sounds very believable that results in them not being able to actually pick the piece up themselves, but they need to send somebody to pick it up on their behalf. And often it's some sort of like movers or delivery service, like a UPS or something. And they're going to send a certified check with them to your home. They'll give you the check and then they'll pick up the furniture piece. And no, thank you. That screams. Scammed me because then, in order to make that happen, they're going to ask for your details in order to send that certified check and they're going to figure out a way to get money from that account. So, do not send that over. I have had a few different reasons for people saying that they needed to do this. Um, Some people were traveling for work at the time, so they had to send somebody to pick it up. And somebody had a family emergency. Somebody's wife was really pregnant and about to go into labor. And if I could just be a little bit critical here, I'm going to go ahead and say if somebody's wife is about to go into labor, they really probably, chances are, they might not need like a new credenza at that very moment, right? Like maybe they put off the nursery so long that they just have to get a dresser to put in there, potentially, you know, some people procrastinate, but if your wife is going into labor and you're on the way to the hospital, you can probably wait like a day or two, I'm going to say. And I've had it before because I'm, a, I'm an accommodating person, you know, I want the clients always come first. That's the thing. I'm not trying to like screw myself out of a deal. So there's been times when people say, I actually can't pick it up, but is it okay if somebody else comes and picks it up for me? And then they go into this mover's spiel. I'll say, oh, I'm not actually comfortable with that, but I'm happy to hold the piece. If you want to give a little deposit, I can hold it until, you know, you get back from your work trip or until the family emergency is resolved. So give them options, but don't be too pandering to the things that they are saying. Because, I mean, if, God forbid, any of those things were true, I wouldn't want to make their life harder on them. But like, if you don't have the time to like pop over and pick up a little side table off of my porch, but you have time to set up like a DHL delivery service to come and get it and create a certified check and send that over, that just seems like it would be more work, no? such as me? I don't know. So when these asks come up, just be critical and again, keep in mind that AI, artificial intelligence, I don't know if you are keeping up on the things that are happening in that world. It is very much something that I am keeping my eye on and I am listening to updates about and podcasts and learning a lot about because it's going to be a very big, very real thing in our world. It already is, to be honest, but it's going to be even bigger in a very big way, like in the next year or two. It's certainly going nowhere and it is exponentially learning. So it's going to be very intuitive and it's going to sound more and more like an actual human. And people are certainly going to be utilizing it more and more for these scams if they aren't already. So it's going to sound like a real person. It's going to act like a real person up until a certain point when they ask you to do something that you wouldn't normally do. And they might have a really good reason for it. They might be really convincing in order to get you to do that. So just be aware your information, your money, it's all important to you presumably, so keep it close and just be safe. Be cautious but not jaded is what I'll say. And some reminders, again, trust your gut. If something feels weird or feels off or you're getting just a weird vibe, I'm very much a believer that like the vibes tell you more than your logic can in moments because you know yourself and your business best. And Feel free to set boundaries on what you accept. Like, we want to ensure that we're being flexible with clients and offering things to make it easier on them. You don't want someone to have to go to like go into their bank and get something exchanged and do all these things and jump through these hoops just to be able to buy a side table from you. But it's okay to have just a couple forms of payment that you accept that are commonly used in the world and in your area and to be firm in the fact that that's your only option. You are the one that makes the rules, so if you normally only accept cash or e-transfer, just stick to that. And have some flexibility if you'd like, because there's always circumstances where something might come up, but you can find a mutually beneficial option that makes you both feel secure and comfortable. Something like PayPal, for example. I actually recently had a client, I'm working on her custom right now, and when she reached out, she was getting her mom to pay for it and her mom actually lives in the States. So when I was talking to the mom to figure out how we could organize payment, she had said, can I send you a check? And I don't typically accept checks, and I more just didn't want to rely on Canada Post to get the check to me in a timely fashion. So I just said, I normally do cash or e-transfer, but I would be happy to do PayPal, and I can send a request over with an invoice and everything like that if that makes you more comfortable. And she ended up just sending the money to her daughter who then was able to pay me by e-transfer. So there's always a way around it but offer options, like suggest solutions that would be good for both of you, and then let the person decide. But just know that you can set those boundaries. You are a business. It's totally normal to have certain things that you accept or don't accept. Even if you think of things like going to Costco, they don't accept Visa cards. You go some places and they don't accept American Express. Like certain places are just set up for certain options. So it's not that weird to only have a couple things that you offer as long as they are options that give some flexibility, in my humble opinion. And don't let the excitement of potentially getting this item sold cloud your judgment or get you into trouble because you weren't thinking critically because yes, that item may have been sitting for so long and it's been clogging up your space and maybe it's causing some tension between you and your partner because that piece is in the way and you have a small space and you just really wanted to get it sold, but you didn't want to decrease the amount that it was for sale for and then this finally came through in this message and this person's interested and oh there's there's a little bit of a hiccup because they can't pick it up themselves but they're gonna send somebody and that person will have a check and it's fine and i just need to give my bank account information and then they can put it in the check and then they bring the check to me and then i'll have my money and they can take the piece no just jam just take a beat take a breath think about it a little bit more critically it's not the end of the world if this piece does not sell you have options but are you comfortable with the thing that is being presented to you? And if no, find a way around that. Don't get ahead of yourself just for the sale. Even if you really need that money, just think of the fact that you accepting that may result in you having even less money than you have in this moment because someone could potentially empty out your bank account, right? So just be safe. And let's have a little discussion about pettiness because boy do I know how tempting it can be to try and waste their time back or get back at them because they just tried to steal your money from you or tried to steal your information or your identity and that is a really shitty thing to do. And they maybe just wasted your time going back and forth just to have a scam that they're presenting to you. After spending days potentially going back and forth, probably not days, they're pretty quick at getting back to you when they want your money. But it could have taken some time and you had to reply to them, and you have a busy life. So it's annoying and frustrating, if nothing else. But once you determine that it's a scam, you can either just say, Sorry, I'm not interested in continuing this transaction, or you can just not reply, or you can block them, do what you need to do, do what feels good for you. But In having any sort of discussion back and forth with them or trying to like proselytize them and tell them that what they're doing is wrong and show them how they were wrong and how it would have affected you or whatever, like whatever your inclination is. Maybe you just want to cuss them out. Whatever you do, it's just going to be a waste of your time ultimately because it will have no impact whatsoever. I promise you that. And on top of that, you end up spending more time focused on this icky thing this icky, horrible thing that could have been, and you're giving more time and more energy and more brain space to that negative thing, which is just going to put you in a negative mindset. Like, yes, they put you into that negative mindset because they tried to do this and that pissed you off. Fair. But once you realize what's happening, you don't need to put another moment's time or energy or thought into that. Because again, ultimately, it's just not going to change anything. It's likely a bot that you're talking to, or AI of some sort, or if it's not currently, it's soon going to be. And they're probably simultaneously doing it to hundreds of people and communicating back and forth. So for how annoyed you are and what you want to put back onto them, it's not going to have that same amount of impact on them. So just save your time, save your energy, block them if you want so they can't send you another message. Either they or somebody else may come back with another inquiry down the road, but whatever. Just have your process of what you do. Rinse, repeat, and then wash your hands of it. Like, it's all good. If you want, feel free to report them or their profile to Facebook, and then hopefully that will get addressed, say that they're either impersonating someone or it's a scam, and then hopefully that gets addressed and their account gets closed. I don't even recommend clicking yes when they ask if you want updates, just like, report it and be done with it. And then you don't have to think about it again. You can move on to bigger and better things, focus on marketing that piece in a different way and getting it sold to an actual person. You can only control what you have control over. And I think that's important to remember in these kinds of situations. And what you have control over is the amount of time and attention you're going to take to vet the people that you're sending up these interactions and these sales with, and then your reaction to them and the potential scam that they are trying to put onto you. And something you may not know about me, I love motivational messages. They always get me fired up, and I keep a running list of ones that are especially catchy and speak to me in the Notes app on my phone. So I end every podcast episode with one that I've noted down over the years so that you can leave your time here each week feeling inspired, motivated, and ready to take on whatever comes your way this week. So this week's Mel's motivational message is you live, you learn, you move on. So even if, God forbid, knock on wood, something happens and you are the victim of one of these scams or these fraudulent transactions, I hope it never happens to you. I hope you Take these tips and your own intuition and anything that you have picked up and learned and you're able to catch it before you get involved in it. But even if you are, don't let that jade you or scare you away from continuing to sell your pieces. Now you know more. You know what to look out for. You live, you learn, and then just move on. And with anything that happens in life, I think that's such an important mentality to have with anything that happens that you deem to be negative or something bad that happened. Because at the end of the day, whatever it is probably taught you a really important lesson. And if it didn't, maybe you should reflect on what happened and try and look for the lesson that can be learned from it because there is always a lesson in there. It might be annoying and or painful to have to learn it, but it's in there if you go looking for it. So make sure you learn from it so that you don't find yourself in that situation again. But the only way that we learn these lessons sometimes is to experience them ourselves, unfortunately. So live and learn and then move on because the more that you dedicate time and space in your brain and your brain power to focusing on and ruminating on that thing that happened that was negative or that victimized you, the more you are just going to be living in that moment, which is now the past, by the way. And if you're living in the past, you are not living in your present and you certainly are not looking forward to and planning for your future. So live and learn and move on from that thing look forward to the good things that are going to come afterwards and let that excite you for what's to come versus looking back and bitching about what happened in the past because it's going to do you no good. All right, that's it for now. I appreciate your time and I will catch you guys next week. Be safe out there.